Good morning. Welcome to everyone. We're glad you're here this morning. It's great to be together in God's house with God's people to worship our Lord together. And we welcome you and hope God's going to bless you in a very special way this morning. Uh, We welcome our guests especially. Uh, You are very important to us and we're glad that you're here and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. A few announcements I'd like to uh, call to your attention. First of all, Let me remind everyone of our attendance pads that are on the end of each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill them out as uh, giving us as much information as you feel comfortable giving to us. And especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter that comes out each Thursday, be sure to put your email address on there and and we will be sure to uh, put you on our list to receive that email newsletter. And that will keep you up on the opportunities for worship and service and ministry and fellowship here at Community Baptist Church. Also, I will remind you that we are in the midst of a Sunday school competition uh, for attendance for each week leading up to Easter. So we have two more weeks after this week for our competition. Uh, Phyllis, do we have any word on, on how we're doing here? Okay, Phyllis says she thinks Mary's class is still leading for the adults there. So uh, you know what you need to do, folks. You need to get on the ball and get folks here to Sunday school for the next two weeks. And uh, then we'll have that competition come to an end on Easter Sunday, which is two weeks from today. Speaking of Easter, uh, we will be having our children's Easter fest that's coming up on Saturday, April the 23rd. And uh, we didn't like to invite all of our children and the parents of our children to come out. That will be between 10 and 12 that morning. And we'll be having donuts and face painting and bouncy houses and, and Easter egg hunt and all sorts of fun. You know, we don't bring our kids together without having a lot of fun. So let me encourage you to bring your kids out and we will have a great, great time together. And if you would like to come and help, I'm sure that Mary could use your help during that day as well. So uh, we encourage you to do that. And also this week, uh, we are resuming our joy lunch. Uh, That will be Tuesday uh, at noon. And so for our senior citizens group, we invite you to come and be a part of that. That's always a great time. Bring a covered dish uh, uh, with something in it and, uh, and bring a friend. Yeah, don't bring any of those empty dishes, okay? <laughs> and bring a friend, and we, we always have a great time. Our, our program this week is the Martins, back from their trip, and we're glad that they're back, and they will be uh, having our program this week. Uh, also, many of you know uh, that we are pursuing the purchase of three acres of land, three acres of land right across our parking lot. There's a flag out there that, that you can see that marks the, uh, uh, where it begins, and it goes from that flag straight out into the field and back that way. Uh, th- those three acres of land has been made available to us, 
and we are in the process of raising money to purchase that land. Um, we need $75,000 to purchase that land. It's $25,000 per acre. And you may see in your worship folder there that at this point, either with money in hand or money that's pledged, we have over $42,000. So we are over halfway there, but we are not there yet. Um, and so we are just beginning this process to put the pledge sheets out there. And many of you were handed a pledge sheet, just a little slip of paper when you came in today. And we would like to ask for you to fill that out. You may, you may not do it today. If you know how much you would like to pledge today, then you can go ahead and do that. If you would like to write a check today, you can go ahead and do that. But just be sure that you write on there in the memo that it's for the land acquisition. Uh, so we'll make sure we can um, put it towards the right thing there. Uh, or you may want to take that home and uh, pray about it and think about it and, and really consider what you would like to contribute towards the purchase of this land. Uh, we think that this is something that's, that's important for our future here at Community Baptist Church, and this is an opportunity that has come up, and we're, and we're anxious to, uh, to purchase all three acres of that land. We have committed not to go into debt, we, so we need that money to, uh, to purchase the land. Uh, Tony Compolo was speaking at uh, the Georgia CBF meeting uh, years ago that I attended, and they were trying to raise $25,000 to start a new ministry. And uh, Tony Compolo got up to the microphone and he said, I've got good news for you. Uh, we already have the $25,000 to start this new ministry, but it's in your pockets. <laughs> That's the way it is, folks. We have the $75,000 that we need to purchase that land, but it's in your pockets and we need... Uh, we need for, uh, for that to move from your pockets to our pockets so that we can purchase that land. So prayerfully consider what you would pledge and what you would contribute towards that. Many people have, uh, have already given a lot of money, uh, significant amounts of money towards this. And, and, and some of you will be challenged to do the same thing. So I hope that you can, um, can do that. You can fill that out today or you can take it home and pray about it. And we'll have some available in the weeks to come. So, uh, uh, let's just keep that in our minds and, and, uh, and think about what we can do uh, for our church in purchasing this land. Let's have a time of greeting each other. Uh, let's, uh, let's share the love of God with one another. It's important for us to do that. So let me invite you to stand and shake the hands with the people around you.
Okay, children, let's come forward to, for our children's moment. Uh, Kelsey's going to lead you, so come right over here and have a seat on the mat there right in front of Kelsey. Come on, children, come on up. Today's message is on why Jesus died, so I'm going to read you a story today. The story is called Jesus Tells Stories. (laughs) Jesus told stories to help people learn about God. Once, said Jesus, there was a wise man who built his house on a rock. The wind blew and the rain fell, but the house stood strong. Be like that wise man and build your life on God. Don't collect treasures on earth, said Jesus. Collect treasures in heaven, for that is where your heart should be. Once, said Jesus, a man's son left him, but the man welcomed his son when he came home. God is always glad to see you come back to him. Heaven, said Jesus, belongs to those who are like little children. Jesus taught his disciples a prayer. Does anyone know what that prayer was? No. That was the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in the heaven. Give us this daily, this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts. <laughs> as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Today, or I'm going to share with you a prayer. We're going to say our prayer today. So let's all bow our heads and pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this heavenly day. May you be with us as we leave this church and be with those who could not be here today. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Know that after two days the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the place of the highest priest, and they conspired to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they said, Not during the festival, or there may be a riot among the people. Evil always does its work in the darkness, behind closed doors, whispers in the corner of a room, conspiring to do away with that which is good, so that evil may maintain its grasp on the power and the position. But what happened in Jerusalem backfired on the purveyors of darkness. For you see, when they laid their hands on Jesus and hung him on the cross, a light was shown on their dark deeds for all to see. Evil does not like the light of day. 
it is much more comfortable in its hiding place. We extinguish this fifth candle today in repentance, recognizing that there are times when we seek to hide our sinfulness in the dark, behind closed doors, conspiring against God. But it is futile, for, for the light has come to shine in the darkness, and darkness will not overcome it. John 1, 5. Let us hear the word of the Lord from the book of Isaiah, chapter 53. Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, nothing in his appearance that we we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity. And as one whom others hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him of no account. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases. Yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By a perversion of justice he was taken away. Who could have imagined his future? For he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. They made his grave with the wicked, and his tomb with the rich. Although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him with pain. When you make his life an offering for sin, he shall see his offspring and shall prolong his days. Through him the will of the Lord shall prosper. Out of his anguish he shall see light. He shall find satisfaction through his knowledge. The righteous one, my servant, shall make many righteous and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will allot him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. This is the word of the Lord. Eternal God, we give you our gratitude this day for life and our privilege of living. And so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom 
as spring creeps in around us, grant that as new life bursts forth, a new spirit in our church may arise in us today. Prepare our minds and hearts for this hour of worship. Thank you for saving us and for your loving forgiveness. Be especially near to those whose pains are almost too heavy to bear. Bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted. To those facing difficult decisions, guide them to make the right choices. To those facing temptation, give them clear heads and strong wills. Help us to be patient, kind, and fair. May our Christian witness be such that will draw others to you, will brighten the dark corners of our life, and will reflect the spirit of the risen Christ. In his name we pray. God, we are thankful that you have blessed all your followers with gifts of service, and we thank you for all the ministries in your name that are a part of Community Baptist Church. We dedicate these material offerings to you now as we generously present them for your kingdom's work. It is sometimes easier to give of our money than of ourselves. Free us, we pray, 
from our inhibitions about sharing your love and good news with others. Teach us to look for opportunities for giving with no thought of return, as you did throughout your life and even in your death. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. say amen or wow. <laughs> I think a little of both. Um, that's one of those songs that you can't help but when you hear that uh, the 
goosebumps just kind of are raised on your on your skin and and uh, and you really feel the presence of God. Welcome to this fifth Sunday of Lent as we continue our journey with Christ and his disciples toward the cross. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever heard of the legend of the robin? You ever heard of the legend of the robin? According to this legend, the robin was originally a solid brown bird. That is, until Jesus was crucified. For you see, on that dark day, this little bird saw a man being nailed to a cross, slowly dying. He was all by himself, and there was no one there to help him. So this little brown bird began trying to free the man from the cross. The bird flew around and around until he found a way to remove a thorn from the crown of thorns that circled the man's head. And in removing the thorn, the little brown robin stuck himself. And with all of the the diving back and forth to the nails and to the thorns, this little brown robin got his breasts all red with blood. And ever since then, he has been known as the bird with the red breast. It is just a legend, of course, but as legends tend to do, it reminds us of the seriousness of Jesus's crucifixion. The prophet Isaiah also tried to prepare us for the crucifixion of Jesus. Even hundreds of years before Jesus was even born, Isaiah wrote these words about the Messiah. He said he was despised and rejected. He was a man of suffering and familiar with pain. He was despised like one from whom people hide their faces, and we held him up in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Today, as we continue our Lenten journey, I would like for us to focus our hearts and our minds on the suffering and the death of Jesus Christ. For you see, this is one of the main reasons that we observe the season of Lent. It is to focus our attention on the cross of Christ. It is to motivate us to deny ourselves as Christ denied himself and to take up our own cross and to follow him in faith. Sir John Bowring understood the meaning of of the cross. Bowring was a a leading man of his time, a leader in his his country and, and indeed across the world. Uh, He was elected to Parliament in England twice. He spoke five different languages fluently. He was knighted by the Queen, and he was the, the governor of Hong Kong. He wrote 36 books, ranging from religion to politics, and yet all we have from him is a poem that he wrote, a poem that was set to music and became a beautiful hymn in our hymn book. He wrote it as he sailed along the the coast of China, And as he passed by the city of Macau, where an earthquake had leveled the city, 
He saw the ruins of a church that had been destroyed there and the cross which had stood at the top of the chapel now stuck out of the ruins of the city. And as he thought about that image, Bowring wrote these lasting words. In the cross of Christ I glory, towering over the wrecks of time, all the light of sacred story gathers round its head sublime. You know, the cross does tower over the wrecks of time, doesn't it? It has endured the tests of time, constantly reminding us of what Christ has done for us. George Buttrick once wrote, the magnetism of the cross so strangely persists as to indicate a miracle. For why would anyone today trouble himself about a peasant hung in an an obscure land many centuries ago? It is because we see and we understand that Christ died in our behalf. The very Son of God gave His life for us. But was it necessary? Was there no other way? Well, theologians have pondered that question for many centuries, and quite frankly, they have left us with very few satisfying answers. But as we offer a few moments of calm reflection today, I hope that we will see that indeed there was no other way. For you see, for one thing, Jesus could not ask his disciples to pay a price that was greater than he was willing to pay. And most of them did pay the ultimate price of death for their faith. Think of Stephen as the stones ripped his flesh. And Peter as he was crucified, not like his Lord, but upside down. Think of Andrew who was bound to a cross and Bartholomew who was beheaded. Think of James who was thrown from the pinnacle of the temple and then stoned and beaten. And Matthew who was burned to death and Thomas, who was stabbed with a spear. Of all the twelve disciples, only John died a natural death, and he was in exile on the desert island of Patmos. Many of Jesus' early followers were burned alive as human torches in Nero's gardens or torn apart by wild animals in the gladiator's arena. So you see, only, only a soft, sentimental, unrealistic faith would conjure up the supposition that there was any other way for Jesus but the way of the cross. He was not going to ask his disciples to face something that he was not willing to face himself. And you know, it may be hard for us to understand all of this, but it's a hard world that we live in. And I'm afraid that For those of us here in in this country, in this place where Christianity is so easy, because of the affluence that we have here, because of the security and the easiness of life today, I'm afraid that we are sheltered from the hard truth of suffering. And I mean real suffering. I know we have bad days from time to time, but I'm talking about real suffering. And we may, we may be aware of it on some intellectual level, but, but not in our gut, 
Not where it really makes a difference in our lives. But folks, we have got to know that that many people throughout the ages and even today are giving their lives for what they believe. And I wonder if it would be true of any of us today. Melvin Cheatham, medical missionary, tells an extraordinary story of his service a few years back during the war in Bosnia. It seems that, that Melvin was assisted by a local doctor, Dr. Joseph Jurisic, as he operated on a soldier of the Bosnian Muslim army. The soldier had been shot through the neck and was paralyzed from the neck down. And as he removed the bullet, Dr. Cheatham found that it had blown his spinal cord in two. And so he knew that this man was, would be paralyzed for the rest of his life. The soldier had been breathing, had not been breathing well, when he arrived at the hospital, his, his breathing was very labored, very hard. And, and knowing that because of his paralysis, he would continue to have a hard time breathing, they left the tubes in his airway, placed him on a ventilator to help him breathe. Well, the ventilator was powered with an electrical generator using diesel fuel because the electrical power there in the hospital was only intermittent. But the next morning, as they made their rounds, Dr. Jurisic took Cheatham aside to a quiet corner where it was safe for them to talk, and he told him the bad news. He said, during the night, the supply of diesel fuel ran out. The generator quit working. His ventilator stopped, and he could not breathe on his own, so he died. Well, naturally, Cheatham was sad about that, but what Dr. Jurisic said next stunned him, and and caused him to tremble all over. He said, he said, Professor, because it was you who operated on the soldier and he died, I'm afraid that his people will come after you and try to kill you. Therefore, I have changed the medical record. I have erased your name as the surgeon and, and have written my own name in, your, in place of yours. For a long moment, Cheatham looked into the eyes of this compassionate man his his throat became dry and he could feel a, a large lump forming there and and then he finally he said to dr jurisic but surely my friend that will mean that they will come for you and will try to kill you and and dr jurisic quietly said you can leave this place of war but i cannot this is my home i am prepared to die in your place if i must so that you might live Dr. Terisic, or Dr. Cheatham said, when I looked at this physician holding the report with his name in place of mine, I could not help but to think of the great physician, Jesus Christ, who was willing to take my place and die for me on the cross. Folks, it may be the scandal and tragedy of our land and our times that there's not much that people are willing to give their lives for today. I mean, think about it. We are so accustomed to comfort and convenience that it would be very hard for many of us to pay the ultimate price for our faith. And this may be the first reason that Jesus had to die on that cross because He surely could not ask His disciples to pay a price that was greater than He was willing to pay Himself. But there's a second reason 
then I believe that there's, there was no other way. And here it is. Without the cross, you and I could not see the destructiveness of sin. Without the cross, sin would be just kind of a concept that's out there that, that we, we kind of acknowledge and nod our head to, but we, we wouldn't really see the destructiveness and the seriousness of what sin is all about. Because, folks, let me tell you something. Sin hurts. Sin destroys. And I know that we don't talk a whole lot about sin these days, but, but let me tell you this. The consequences of sin will always be with us and will haunt us wherever we go. During the Franco-German War, two shells fell close to a house near the scene of a major conflict, and the owner of the house decided to keep them as souvenirs. After polishing them up, he put them on the hearth near his fireplace, and and one day he was showing these interesting objects to a, a friend who was visiting, and his friend was suddenly struck by the horrible thought, what if they're still loaded? And being an expert in such matters, he quickly examined the shells and he said, get these things away from the heat of the fire immediately. They're as deadly today as the day that they were made. And folks, that's the way it is with sin. It's deadly. And the effects of sin can explode unexpectedly And destroy us. It can kill our bodies. It can kill our marriages. It can kill a church. It can kill a soul. One unknown author puts it like this. He said, sin steals joy. Sin removes confidence. Sin brings guilt. Sin quenches God's spirit. Sin brings physical damage. Sin causes an ache in the soul. Sin breaks God's heart. Sin opens the door to other sins. Sin produces fear. Sin makes me its slave. So ask yourself, is this a price that I really want to pay? Is this a price that I can afford to pay? My friend, sin took God's only son, just as was predicted by the prophet Isaiah, and it crushed his body. And took his life. Jesus was only 33 years old when he died on that cross. Think of that. 33 years old. A very young man. Falsely accused. Bitterly reviled. And yet guilty of nothing wrong. A healer. A helper a lover of children, a liberator of people imprisoned by their own sin and guilt, a man who knew God so intimately that he would address God as Abba, Daddy. And yet he never lost his concern for the least and the lowest. Yet there he hangs on that cross. And it was sin that put him there. Your sin. My sin. That, my friends, is what sin is. And that's what sin does. Would would we be wrong to say that many of us are like Celia, the young socialite in T.S. Eliot's play titled The Cocktail Party? 
Celia is talking to a psychiatrist named Riley, and she's confessing that she has discovered a sense of sin in her life. Sin was not a familiar concept to her. She says that her upbringing had been pretty conventional. She had never really been taught to believe in sin. Oh, she says, I don't mean that it was never mentioned, but anything wrong from our point of view was either just bad form or something psychological. And I wonder how true this is of many of us today. For far too many of us, sin doesn't really mean anything. It's just bad form or an innocent mistake. My friends, we don't see that there's an enemy within our gates. There, there is a betrayer in our hearts and a spirit within our conscience, consciousness that can bring inconceivable tragedy into our lives. But the cross shows us that sin is no laughing matter. Sin is an enemy of our bodies and our marriages and our relationships with each other and with God. And there's no, there was no other way for God to show us that except through the cross. But there's one more reason why there was no other way but the cross. And here it is. There was no other way that God could show us the depth and the width of God's love except by the gift of His Son. John puts it like this. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and gave God's Son to be an expiation for our sins. Or as Paul said, God demonstrated God's love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Corey Ten Boom puts it like this. In the forest fire, there is always one place where the fire cannot reach. It is the place where the fire has already burned itself out. And Calvary is the place where the fire of God's judgment against sin has burned itself out completely. It is there that we are safe. Wayne Ward describes it like this. All heaven and earth converged upon that cross. The drama of redemption reached its amazing climax when human sin rose up and divine love reached down to that cross on Calvary. No words could possibly catch the despair which overwhelmed the disciples as they, they took the body down from the cross and laid it in Joseph's tomb. The drama was over. The king had come, but he was a king that no one wanted. With wicked hands, men had brutally tortured him, and his dead body was already in the grave from which no traveler ever returned. The poet writes, What wondrous love is this, O my soul, that caused the Lord of bliss to lay aside his crown for my soul, for my soul to lay aside his crown for my soul. That is why the cross of Christ had to be. Jesus could not ask his disciples to make a sacrifice that he was not willing to make himself. There was no other way to reveal the awfulness 
of our sin, nor the awesomeness of God's love. So there it is. But what are we to make of that now? Well, the challenge to each of us is this. To respond to that love in faith. To cast off that sin that so easily is a part of us. And then finally, to give our lives totally to Jesus. As he gave his life for us. Amen. We're going to sing today. Number 67, Come Ye Disconsolate. And as we sing, we are giving you the opportunity to do just what I said. To give your life totally to Jesus. Just like He gave His life for you. I mentioned the other night in our Bible study that chances are we will never be asked to give our lives for our faith. But we are challenged to live for Christ every day. And that's the challenge I put before you today. To give your life to Jesus as He gave His life for you. And in doing that, you are making the commitment to make Him your Savior. But not only your Savior, your Lord. You're making the commitment to follow Him and to live the teachings of His kingdom in your life every day. Doesn't mean you'll be perfect. None of us are. But it's a commitment to follow in that direction. And I hope you'll make that commitment if you've never done it before. Or perhaps you're looking for a church home to be a part of. Well, we invite you to come and unite with our church here at Community Baptist and and be a part of our fellowship. Or maybe you need a time of prayer today. Maybe you've been dealing with sin in your life and, and it's a struggle. And it is a struggle. But one thing that helps is the prayer of your brothers and sisters in Christ. If God's dealing in your heart in any way, we invite you to come as we sing number 67. Come ye disconsolate. Would you come?
Oh God, we know something of the way of blessedness revealed and realized in Christ. We see his suffering and death. We see the path of love that led to the cross. We see the reward of obedience that led to a crown of thorns. And so forgive us, O oh God, when we have taken Christ's sacrifice lightly. Teach us to take our own cross and follow in faith. May we share the Savior's sorrow for sin and know the secret of his strength each day and each hour and each moment. Amen.